Sound of History podcast. My name is Nick. That her her name is Mika. She's not talking right now. You told me I couldn't. <laughs> and this is Music History Podcast, where we're talking about the whole story of American music history. We're kind of finishing up the Rat Pack today. Oh yeah, who are we talking about? Talking about someone who wasn't in the Rat Pack, but it's kind of the same vibe. Nat King Cole. Nat King Cole. Yeah. Probably the last crooner we're going to talk about for, like, all of this podcast. Aw. Uh, so, before that, Mika is the host now. What do you have to... <laughs> Mika is the host now. I'm going to tell y'all something that I think we all need to hear. Oh, no. Wear sunscreen. <laughs> Because you know, you know that the sun hurts you. You know this. And just because you did really well the last time that you were at the pool and you didn't get burned at all, doesn't mean that you could sit at the pool for an hour without sunscreen. It doesn't mean that. I know you know that, but some of you might need to hear it. Yeah, some of you might need to hear it. Shut up. <laughs> no one in this apartment needs to hear that. No, I don't need to hear it anymore. <laughs> I have been reminded. Is that it? No. Oh. <laughs> that was emphatic. Half moon manis. They're very, very nice. Ladies or people who do your nails. Excuse me. People who do your nails. Half moon manny. Very clean. Very nice. It can grow out, so it's cheap, too. It'll last you for, like, a long time if you do the... the part that's closest to your nail bed if you do it clear then it can grow out and then you spend less money on your nails that's all okay mika no longer the host now mika's no longer the host now okay so now we're gonna actually talk about music history that wasn't as long as mika's the host can sometimes run so i have other things but i'm going to write them down in my notepad (laughs) okay you're building out your own show finally after a year and a half no, I've been, I've been, I have my notepad. I have my notepad. Okay. Well, do you want to remind us about the Rat Pack since it's been a while since we've recorded an episode? Smooth song, crazy man, love. <laughs> okay. okay. It sounded like taglines on a poster for like elvis or something no i think i think frank would use that sure well today we're finishing up our little like i don't know i called it a mini season it's just like a little break where we're talking about the rat pack but we're going to be talking about someone who is not in the rat pack but a lot of people associate with that group and that's nat king cole he had a similar style and image and he kind of he was around during roughly the same period so he's like rat pack adjacent Plus, I just kind of wanted to learn more about him, and I write the episodes. So here we go. I support you. One hundred percent. Episode, by the way. I think they've all been bonus episodes. No, they are all numbered. This one's a bonus. Are the bonus ones not numbered? No. Well, how do we we've know how many podcasts this. we've done? <laughs> I think this is like fifty-one. Yeah, but you would be sure if you numbered them all. The last Frank was episode forty-five because the bonus ones are ones that are outside of the narrative. So it's like, it's someone that we need to talk about, but they're kind of like, they don't fit easily into the timeline. 
Like, doesn't doesn't he fit into the timeline? He was around the same time, right? Yeah, sort of. But like when to put it just. It, we have a bonus episode structure that's been happening since the beginning. I think you should number <laughs> all of the episodes. I am not going to do that. I like the bonus episode structure. Okay, it could still be a bonus episode and have a number associated with well, it. And what makes it a bonus? You that's decide. The point. Save it's a the bonus. It's you not decide. one of the numbered episodes. It's a bonus. You it's decide like, which ones are bonus the same way. It's just that it's they all like have numbers. Special features on a TV season isn't an episode. It's special features. This, this is, is kind of like that. It's filler. A whole other episode, though. Okay. It's a bonus <laughs> episode. Exactly. So it's not one of the numbered ones. It is a bonus episode. It should have a number. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, it might, depending on what list you go to, because some of them number them anyway. Like Spotify might just have like numbers anyway on them. Because know. that's the normal thing to do. Yeah, and our normal episodes are numbered. This one's a bonus episode. So, what do you know about Nat King Cole, aside from his Christmas music? Not a lot. I'm still (laughs) thinking about numbers. (laughs) I don't know much about him as a person. Nathaniel Adams Coles was born in Montgomery, Alabama in 1919. I don't like that as much. Nathaniel Adams Coles? Yeah, I don't like it. Well, lucky for you, he didn't either. He had three brothers who all became jazz musicians and one half-sister. When Nat was pretty young, his father became a Baptist minister and moved the family to Chicago. When Nat was four years old, his mother started to teach him how to play the piano, and he was something of a child prodigy when it came to music. At the age of 12, he started to take formal piano lessons and learned how to play some more classical stuff. By age 14, he was playing the organ at church and started a 14-piece band that he called the Royal Dukes. It's crazy that he was leading a 14-piece band at the age of 14. That's how he decided how many people were going to be in his sure. band. He just uh, added a new one you. every year. Yes. I guarantee you he's like, how many people should be in my group? 14. <laughs> at 15, Nat dropped out of high school. And added another person to his <laughs> band. To focus on music full-time. His older brother, Eddie, who became a bassist, had been touring with the Noble Sissel, with Noble Sissel's band. I like the Noble Sissel better. Well, I thought... I, like, I just What's a ahead, Sissel? I thought it was Sister. Noble Sissel is his name. So How I, do I get that name? I don't... <laughs> So I thought it was the Noble Sisters band, but it's not. It's Noble Sissel. First name Noble, last name Sissel? Yes. What's a Sissel? Sounds like Grizzle. A name. I don't know. Same way Poe isn't a thing, but it's our name. He's best known for the Broadway musical Shuffle Along. He's not very known. (laughs) Which I think, yeah, that's literally a next sentence. I didn't need to say that. Noble was a big-time composer who is probably best known for writing the Broadway play Shuffle Along. Noble. Noble Sissel. When Eddie stepped, er, stopped touring with Noble, he came back home and started a band with Nat. They formed a sextet called Eddie Cole's Swingsters and recorded two songs for Decca. Uh, how old were they at this point? Uh, about 15. And that makes sense now that we've moved on to sex. <laughs> Well, he's 15. Eddie is a few years older. Still. I I don't know how old Eddie is. Still. But at this point... They decided it was going to be six so they could say sextuplet. (laughs) 
It's kind of interesting that like at this point, Eddie Cole is the is the big name. Like no one knows Nat King Cole is Eddie. Here is do you want to hear Eddie one of the have his time. early recordings? Yeah. I don't like how Decca has two C's. It's a shame they didn't ask you about it. It is. I, th- I just think that Decca is D-E-C-A, and then every time I see it has two C's. should learn how to foxtrot. No. Yeah, we should. All right, well, that's Eddie Cole's Solid Swingers with their song Thunder. Then the group was hired as musicians for the revival of Shuffle Along. When the show went on tour, Nat stayed with the show, mostly because he was dating a dancer named Nadine Robertson, who stayed with the show. Good for him. So they did it in Broadway. Then the show went on tour. So Nat was like, yeah, I'll go on tour with the I show. I wish I was dating a dancer. Say of the Fox Trot. <laughs> <laughs> I can maybe get you in touch with Eddie Cole. I don't think he could still do it. We don't know that. Probably do it better than I can. I don't know if he's still alive. He probably could do it better than you. But Nat's brother, Eddie. We're still talking about the Fox Trot. <laughs> Nat's brother Eddie did not go on tour, so that they were they were split. While of course a woman came between them. Yeah, oh, Nadine. It's all it's Nadine splitting up, splitting up the act. While still on tour, he married Nadine, even though he was only seventeen. And when the show stopped touring, they decided to just stay put in Los Angeles, which was like where the last performance was. And they were like, yeah, this place looks good. And just kind of stayed there. It's a good move. Well, also, the newlyweds lived with Nadine's aunt while Nat tried to find work as a musician. So they had family there, which is good. For a very brief time, Nat led a big band before playing in clubs around L.A. as a solo pianist. Eventually, a club owner asked him to form his own band, so he picked up a guitarist and a bassist and became a trio. They called themselves the King Cole Trio, after the old British nursery rhyme that said, Old King Cole was a merry old soul. Yes? I had a sudden urge to sing Zacchaeus was a wee little man. (laughs) Not quite the same. Is it not the same tune? I don't know what the tune of this one is. Mary old soul and a merry old soul was he. Do you know this rhyme or are you just climbed <laughs> up in a sycamore kiss? tree <laughs> by the Lord he went to see? So no, you don't know this old I, British rhyme. I really, it really might be the same. It might, but you can't just replace the words. <laughs> Assume it is. I, I think that I had like a Richard Scary book. Who? Like Richard Scary, <laughs> I don't know that the is. little the little animals. They made me want to be a travel agent when I was like four. You knew what a travel agent? Yeah, <laughs> thanks to Richard Scary. All right. There was like the worm and the apple. The worm had a hat. It's the only worm that I like. <laughs> okay, 
But so, I think that they I think that they talked about the rhyme. Old King Cole. Yeah. I think that they did. They all had right. like a nursery rhyme VHS and they all acted out nursery rhymes. Okay. Maybe it was. I don't know. I'm gonna find it. I'm but really excited about it. He named his band after that. So they were the King Cole Trio. It was the first time he's going by King. That's important. Yeah, King Cole. <laughs> Over the Looking ne- up Richard Scary. Over the next year or two, they started to gather quite a bit of a local following, with Nat emerging as a singer as well as a pianist. They started to play a few radio shows that weren't supposed to be recorded for commercial use, but have since been released. They also started to record a few songs for like small local labels. I also heard a story that Nat started going by King when a publicist put a tinfoil crown on his head and proclaimed him King. That's. But I only saw that story one place, so I don't really know if it's true. That's a weird thing for a publicist to do. But publicists, publicists are weird. Yeah. See. Never seen that. Before You've never life. seen Richard Scary. Nope. Where's the worm? <laughs> It's not going to help. I'm still not going to know what it is. You might. It's busy town. Oh, he also was born in 1919. Maybe he is Nat King Cole. Whoa. Richard Scary Worm. King Richard. Richard Scary. Nat King Cole. There's the worm. Nope. What? He has the hat. I see that. He drives an apple. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, <clears throat> you can't cut this. I'm going to cut a lot. It was like 30 seconds of silence. Well, you can cut the silence. Just <laughs> not Richard Scary. Anyway. Back to Nat King Cole. I guess. <laughs> In 1940, the King Cole Trio had their first hit with a song called Sweet Lorraine. Here is Sweet Lorraine. Lorraine. That's not right. Hey. Did you hear Sweet Lorraine before this? Yes, and I put it in the episode. (laughs) I'm as happy as a baby boy. With another brand new choo-choo joy When I met my sweet Lorraine, Lorraine, Lorraine I love this A pair of eyes That are brighter than the summer skies this When you like see them realize Why I love my sweet Lorraine Now when it's raining, I don't singer, miss the sun Because then now he's a singer. smile He wanted to play the piano And, and to think I'm the lucky like, one this, keep doing it. So yeah. kind of have to That will lead her down the aisle Each night I pray That That's no one will steal her There is an old legend Oh well, here we go That's what I was just saying there is an old legend that his career as a singer started because a drunken bar patron demanded he sing that song, Sweet Lorraine. Nat said that legend sounded fun enough that he never bothered to correct it. <laughs> the actual reason isn't much different, though. 
A customer asked that he sing a song one night, and Nat didn't know it, so he sang Sweet Lorraine instead. After people heard him sing, they kept asking him to sing more and more because he was so good at it. Over the next couple of years, the Nat King, or not the Nat, just the King Cold Trio at this point, released a few more popular songs. In 1941, they released a song called That Ain't Right for Decca that reached number one on the Billboard Harlem Hit Parade charts. Here is That Ain't Right. Harlem Hit Parade sounds like a Spotify playlist. I mean, it might be. What is the matter with you? This one's a little bit more boring. Baby, baby, what is the matter with you? You've got the world in a jug, and you don't have a thing to do. That's, that ain't right. That was their first number one, at least on the Harlem Hit Parade, and I'm not sure how that translates to the actual charts. I like the King Cole trio. Following that song, their contract with Decca ended, and they lost one member of the trio who enlisted in the army. They released another song called All For You on a really small label called Excelsior that was purchased and reissued by Capitol and became their second Harlem Hit Parade number one. It also saw a bit of a crossover to the pop chart. The success of that song caused, Cap- caused Capitol Records to sign Nat directly instead of his band. Oh. They released a song in 1944 called Straighten Up and Fly Right, which became Nat's biggest hit to date. It topped a few different charts for several weeks, including the folk and country chart somehow. Huh. All right, we're going to play it, and then you're going to see if you think it's a country folk song. took a monkey for a ride in the air the monkey thought that everything was on the square the buzzer tried to throw the monkey off his back but the monkey grabbed his neck and said now listen jack straighten up and fly right the monkey grabbed his what straighten up and fly right cool down papa don't you blow your top ain't no use in diving What's the use of jiving? Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. The buzzer told the monkey you were choking me. Release your hope. All right, straighten up and fly right. All right, well, I like it a lot. <laughs> I'm very curious about the monkey. <laughs> Since he was signed exclusively to Capitol, when he featured on other labels like Mercury, he had to be credited under the name Shorty Nadine. Oh, my God. <laughs> He called himself Shorty. Yep, and his wife's name. The King Cole Trio was pretty unique during the swing era big band style. They didn't have a drummer and instead focused on the juxtaposition of the piano against the guitar to give the swinging rhythm that the drums often provided. I like it. I think it's effective. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, the guitar and piano would, would be arranged in a way to make it sound like a single instrument. Nat was known for a compact, syncopated piano style with shorter, melodic phrases. 
So kind of like ragtime. Going all the way back to that. I got that vibe. I got good. that vibe that from means this I'm song. teaching you things. If you I even couldn't have remember told you. ragtime at this point. That's good. Uh, it was a long time ago. <laughs> what? Sorry, I turned into Adam Sandler. <laughs> As the group saw more and more success, Nat's piano playing kind of took a backseat to his singing, which is something that has always kind of annoyed hardcore jazz fans. He was a good pianist and could have been more influential, but he focused on singing instead. He became known as one of the best vocalists of the time. He was known for his warm tone and flawless phrasing. They're going to the pool. Do you think I should tell them to wear sunscreen? I think they know. They probably heard your warning earlier. Okay. In 1944, the trio placed four more singles on the charts and Capitol released their first album that fall. In 1945, Billboard started to issue album charts for the first time. On the very first In Billboard... In Yeah. On the very first Billboard album chart, the King Cole Trio is number one. That's cool. Yeah, it's a cool distinction. They held that spot for 12 straight weeks. Damn. <laughs> In 1946, the band landed a 15-minute national radio show called the King Cole Trio Time, which was the first show of its type to be hosted by an African-American musician. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Plus, like... You know, I could do that every day, yeah. like 15 minutes. I think before this, there were shows that were like guest hosts, because I think Louis Armstrong was the first African-American to ever actually host a show, but he was a guest host on Bing's show. Like mm -hmm. he wasn't the, I think this was the first one that like they, it was their show. That's cool. If I'm remembering correctly. Well, uh, I bet you're going to like read it in the script in like two sentences. <laughs> no, so. I don't think I talk about that because now we're on to 1946 when Nat recorded for the first time with a full orchestra. The resulting track, The Christmas Song, became mm -hmm. one of Nat King Cole's best-selling records of all time. We all know it, but we have to play it. So here's the King Cole Trio version of The Christmas Song. Christmas in July. So this is an Christmas early in July. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping. Literally, what's wrong with anyone that's mad at him for being a singer? <laughs> it's the jazz jazz. Only love jazz. Being sung by a really special jazz. He is really special. Folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody it's kind of just the people who think he's sold out. A turkey to focus and on like pop and making money instead of actually being honing his craft or whatever crap. Help to make the season bright. Tiny tots without right, this Christmas song. That doesn't seem that different. It's not. The arrangement's the same. Also, my dad's favorite Christmas song. That in the Baron or whatever. The what? Snoopy. There's like a Snoopy Christmas song, like the Red Baron or something. I don't remember. Okay. During all of this, the big band era of music started to decline. Swing was on his way out, at least the big band version of it. And people started to focus more and more on bebop. We talked about bebop, I think. Do you remember that? Yeah, he's a cowboy. 
This would kind of be the last stages of jazz as the most popular American music. Despite that, the King Cole Trio continued to explode. They were featured on Bing Crosby's radio show a few times, and their second album hit number one on the charts. Near the end of 1946, the King Cole Trio recorded a song called I Love You for Sentimental Reasons. Oh, yeah, I like that one. That was a bit of a deviation for them. It was a romantic ballad as opposed to the typical swing pop jazz type of stuff that they normally did. But it showed that Nat was capable of singing that type of song. It also became the group's first ever number one on the pop chart. Here is I Love You for Sentimental Reasons. I love you for sentimental reasons. This is definitely more like crooner than I hope you do believe me. I'll give you my heart. I love you. And you alone were meant for me Please give your loving heart to me I love you for no, sentimental reasons. No, I'm not done. Well, we are. Oh. <laughs> okay. For the next little bit, the group's recording schedule was somewhat light. They were probably focused on their radio show more than actually recording. But they picked it up in anticipation of the musician strike that was scheduled to start on New Year's Day, 1948, and recorded a few more number one hits during that time. Because, you know, why not? Hop in the studio, record a few number ones. The group's original guitarist left in 1947. It was widely reported that Moore, the guitarist, didn't like the pop material that the group started to play. But in reality, he left because Nat caved to label pressure and put more and the basis on sideman salaries instead of full-fledged members of the group. Come on, Nat. Yeah, not a good move. In 1948, Nat divorced his wife and married a singer named Mary or Marie Ellington six days after the divorce became final. Wonder why he divorced. <laughs> also that year, Nat bought a house in an all-white neighborhood of L.A., the KKK responded by placing a burning cross in his yard. Members of the Property Owners Association told Nat that they did not want any, quote, undesirables moving into the neighborhood. To which Nat replied, neither do I. And if I see anybody undesirable coming in here, I'll be the first to complain. Good job. <laughs> Ugh. Poor guy. In the fall of 1948, the group made their first trip to Europe. Throughout the next few years, they cycled between playing the largest clubs across America with a few trips to Europe, Latin America, and Asia. They're just kind of like, into the 40s was just the Nat King Cold time. It was his, he dominated music at this point. In 1951, the other members of the trio left the group, and it was announced that they wouldn't be replaced. Nat would continue on as a solo artist. What? It's just... Seems sad. Yeah. I mean, he already kind of is a solo artist by that point, if your other members are on sideman salaries. Though that only really changed how he was billed. He still toured with a guitarist and a bassist. So, like, the band was still the same. It's just now it's Nat King Cole instead of the King Cole trio. Right. 
By this time, he was doing most of his shows standing the whole time, except for two or three songs where he played the piano. So he's basically just a singer. In 1952, he released a song called Unforgettable, which honestly was kind of forgettable at the time. What? (laughs) It peaked at number 12 on the charts, on the charts, which was a letdown for him, but it went on to be one of his better selling and most remembered songs, mostly because his daughter released a version of it in 1991 Uh. that won a record of the year Grammy. Mm -hmm. Here is Unforgettable. Going. Where am I going to park? I want to hear her version next. <laughs> oh, but here tonight, I'm glad that I found a place to park because right now I'd like to sing for you a very wonderful oldie entitled Unforgettable. That's what you are. name is Natalie Cole. And I think she did it as a duet? Unforgettable That's what you are Unforgettable I don't like it as a father-daughter duo. Yeah, it's weird. I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, yeah, because we only heard from Frank and his daughter. Same kind of vibe. It is. It is. You love something stupid. I do. (laughs) I'm uncomfortable now. (laughs) All right. Well, then we will move on. But I only got to hear her sing one line. Well, I mean, got to move on. We're 32 minutes into this. (laughs) In 1956, Nat landed a network television show on NBC called The Nat King Cole Show that was the first variety show hosted by an African-American. But it suffered from a lack of sponsors. Wonder why. Yeah, somewhat predictably. A beer company sponsored it locally, but it never found a national sponsor. Because of the lack of money... What beer company? I don't know. Let's find them and support them. They might not be in business anymore. Because of the lack of money, Nat decided to end the show in 1957. Shortly after the show ended, Nat commented on it by saying, quote, Madison Avenue is afraid of the dark. (laughs) During this time, he also did what pretty much all other successful singers of this time did and acted in movies. He landed a pretty prominent role portraying W.C. Handy in one movie. 
We've talked about W.C. Handy. Do you remember who he is? No. He's the guy who discovered the blues. Oh. From like sitting on a train station and hearing a guy play it. Yeah, what a poser. (laughs) He also kept releasing records that sold millions of copies. In 1958, he traveled to Havana, Cuba to record an album entirely in Spanish. Interesting. It was so successful in Latin America that he did it two more times. I want to hear that. Well, I don't have anything linked. What? (laughs) Google. I want to hear him in Spanish. I want to hear Nat King Cole singing Havana. Here's his L-O-V-E song in Spanish, apparently. Who originated this one, though? I don't know. Quiero que me expliques, por favor, lo que la palabra amor. Porque así podré saber si es cierto tu querer. Oh, solo es un capricho que por mi asentido sé que todo lo que me dirás. Also possible he didn't know Spanish. They just told him exactly what to say. That's fair. In 1956, Nat had another terrible clash with racism. Before his performance in Birmingham, Alabama, someone Mm. started to circulate photos of him with white female fans. The photos had captions like, quote, Cole and his white women and Cole and your daughter. During the concert, while Nat was singing his song called Little Girl, three white men charged down the aisle at the stage in an apparent attempt to kidnap him. Oh, my God. Law enforcement pretty quickly ended the scuffle, but not before Nat was knocked off his piano and suffered a back injury. Oh, my God. Apparently, the original attack plan included 150 men, but only three showed up to do it. So dumb. Yeah. After the incident, Nat said, quote, I can't understand it. I have not taken part in any protest, nor have I joined an organization fighting segregation. Why should they attack me? End quote. He said he wanted to move on from the incident and continued to play for segregated audiences. That decision cost him a lot of backlash from civil rights advocates, like Thurgood Marshall, who is the chief legal counsel of the NAACP. I who, mean, but at the same time, like, if he's going to be attacked, yeah. like, let's just, like, let the man do what he needs to do for himself. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. Thurgood. Thurgood Marshall called him an Uncle Tom and said that he should perform with a banjo. Nat maintained that he could not change the situation in a day and continue to contribute money to civil rights causes like the Montgomery bus boycott. He's doing what he can. Yeah. But I mean, there's also the argument that he could have refused to play to segregated audiences like people, like other people were doing. I mean. But I mean. Everyone has to do what they think is the best course of action, and that's what he decided. So, After the heavy backlash and boycott from African Americans who saw him as a bit of a traitor, Nat apologized and joined other African American artists in their boycott of segregated venues. Since that time, he became an active participant in civil rights issues and an active member of the NAACP. 
In the 60s, Nat's longtime collaborator, Nelson Riddle, left Capitol Records to join Frank Sinatra's Reprise Records. So he was one of the guys, he, he was like the mm-hmm. arranger that Frank worked with a lot. Mm-hmm. But he and Nat recorded one last album together called Wild Is Love, which Nat later reworked into an off-Broadway show called I'm With You. It opened in what was intended to be a pre-Broadway tour, but it wasn't successful and closed before it hit Broadway. Nat continued to have recording success in the early 60s and had his last ever number one hit in 1963 with the song Those Lazy, Hazy, Crazy Days of Summer, which we will play right now. I'm over those ladies. <laughs> in 1964, he appeared on television for the last time in the Jack Benny show, where he was introduced as, quote, the best friend a song ever had. Okay. In, this, in September of 1964, Nat started to lose weight and constantly complained of back problems. He even collapsed after performing in Las Vegas. In December, he was finally persuaded by some friends to seek medical help. An advanced malignant tumor yep. was found on his lung, and he was given only months to live. Mm. Against his doctor's wishes, Nat continued to work and recorded his last songs that December. Those songs were later released on an album titled L.O.V.E. His daughter later said that Nat finished that album to ensure the welfare of his family. Oh. Here's one of the songs called More that was recorded during those last studio sessions. More than the greatest love the world has known. This is the love I'll give to you alone. More than the simple words I try to say I only live to love you More each day More than you'll ever know My arms long to hold right, you so I'm trying to like pick up any difference in like how he sings and yeah, I'm thinking yeah. about like what a like malignancy in your lung like affect your breath control and like I mean he sounds very similar, but I guess that the way he sings does it require a ton of like It's also probably way easier to hide in a recording. Yeah. Like if we listen to him live at this point, you could probably 
maybe he's like more breathy or whatever. Yeah. Out of breath. Nat spent most of that December, January, and February in the hospital. Despite knowing about his terminal condition, his publicist continued to say that he would soon come through it and be working again. Billboard magazine even reported, Nat King Cole has successfully come through a serious operation and the future looks bright for the master to resume his career again. Okay. But they were wrong and he passed away on February 15th, 1965 at the age of 45. Dang. At his funeral, the eulogy was given by Jack Benny, who said, quote, Nat Cole was a man who gave so much and still had so much to give. He gave it in song, in friendship to his fellow man, devotion to his family. He was a star, a tremendous success as an entertainer, an institution. But he was an even greater success as a man, as a husband, as a father, and as a friend. Aww. End quote. Even after his death, Nat King Cole has incredible appeal to his two fan groups. Jazz enthusiasts love his work in the 30s and 40s, but kind of pretend that that's when he stopped working. The heavily, they heavily accused him of selling out when he switched to pop music. But pop music fans adored his work in the 50s and 60s. He was a once-in-a-generation talent, and it's almost hard to imagine what he could have accomplished if he didn't die so young and or didn't have to deal with racial discrimination. One of his friends later commented, quote, He was the nicest man you'd ever want to meet in your life, just a very down-to-earth person who happened to be one of the greatest musicians of all time. And he, of course, became a model for so many people. And that's Nat King Cole. Beautiful. Yeah. It's fun. All right. So next, we're going to move back in. We're done with our little Rat Pack break. We're moving Bummer. into the 60s. We're going to be talking about... Oh, mama, welcome to the 60s. <laughs> we're going to be talking about the British Invasion and like the Rolling Stones. And then we're doing welcome a Beatles special, which is going to be long. And Mika's going to sing that song every time I say the 60s. Go, go, go. <laughs> All right. Well, any closing remarks? My closing remark is in the middle of recording this. Um, aliens invaded Nick's <laughs> laptop. Edited our voices after a lot of. <laughs> That's kind of how it sounded. Yeah. And yeah. then we didn't sound right. I Listen, think we sounded great. I think. <laughs> yeah, you sounded phenomenal. <laughs> I sounded weird. Anyway, enjoy that, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Wait, we need to stop promising next week. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Yeah. When I met my sweet Lorraine, Lorraine, Lorraine.